do the impression. Put the lotion in the fucking basket. That's terrible. No, it's hey, like you like already knew what you no, were going to say like, to tear him down. It's like put the fucking lotion in the basket. Wow, na na na, yeah, it's another one. Yeah, girls them summer song. Yeah, something about the way. Welcome everybody to the Idea Lemon Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast, the conversation show where each week we sit down with guests and tackle life's important questions to help multi-passionate people like you uncover who we are and how we present ourselves to the world around us. I'm your co-host Rajiv Nathan alongside Martin McGovern and in this episode we were with our friend Ben Austin. Ben is someone who we came to know originally because, well, he was an Idea Lemon student whose personal brand we helped develop, and from that development actually came a much larger friendship, as well as from that development came the creation of his website, StopStartDo.com, a blog dedicated to helping people form positive habits in their life. In this episode, we talked about the rocking chair test, and what I mean by that is... When you look back and you're sitting in your rocking chair years from now, what will you regret when you look back? This was a great conversation. Let's listen in. I think just because there's been like periods of my life, literally two year stretch, stretches where I have done nothing or very little. I haven't had any sort of purpose or direction. And I've had those long periods where I look back and I really wish that I didn't have them. And a few years ago, I made a resolution to myself, a promise. In fact, I wrote it out in my journal. I could look it up right now if you really wanted me to, but... Oh, no, no, no. Don't resol- go out of your way for us. Oh, no, I'm not actually going to do it. I'm just saying <laughs> okay. I could if you wanted me to, but I'm not. And even if you asked me to, I still wouldn't do it. say, oh, I'm shuffling but, papers right now, as, as though yeah. he's reaching in his bag to pay for the check, but not really. Thank you, girl, on a date I went on. Not- right, it's called, it's called alligator arms. <laughs> You, you can't you can't reach your arms in your pocket. So <laughs> it's funny we've got a nickname for one of my buddies. We call him Alligator Arms because every time we get out of a cab, he, he just can't reach down into his wallet to like grab it and pull it out. So <laughs> that's funny. anyways, completely off topic, but yeah, I don't know. I, I made a resolution to myself a couple of years ago that I was going to start living differently, and since then I've gone out and I've just accomplished so much, and I'm very excited to see you know, where this trajectory of my life takes me, you know, having, making, having that resolution and making it with myself and then following through on all those promises that I made and then seeing where I am right now and then seeing where I'm going to be in another few years. Okay. So the resolution you wrote down was to live differently or it was something else? Was it like you wrote down in your journal, I want to live differently? Yeah, it was essentially that. It was a number of different things. I probably wrote down 20 different things, so I couldn't recite okay, them so, all. so they were specific, though. Yes, they were all very specific things, okay. because I wasn't happy with the way my life was playing out in that moment. And I wanted to change things. I just didn't know how. So ultimately, that was what led to me you know, meeting you guys, and then starting the blog, and then starting Stop, Start, Do. Was, yeah. I can trace it back to that moment for me. One of the things that, I mean, you guys know, but that I kind of struggle with is the how portion of that. Like, I know I want to do things, but, <laughs> but how do getting we get be- from point A to point B? Yeah, getting beyond the point of like, uh, getting to the actual execution of it a lot of times I run into issues with. And, and 
if anything, that's something that might force me or might be the result of me having regret down the line. Well, and, and that might just be an experience thing, right? Like, as Ben said, like, there was a moment where he wasn't doing anything. Now he's at a time a few years later that he's doing a lot of different things, but now he's trying to focus it more, and you just launched your site. And I think a lot of this comes back to we might not know how to execute because we've just never done it the same way uh, I didn't know how to make a logo the first time I tried. Right. Um, and so what I actually want, before we really jump into what our regrets may or may not, not be, I'm kind of curious to know, um, first of all, to put it into context for the audience, how old each of us are, um, because, you know, age and regret are pretty tightly linked. Um, and what age were you when you first started maybe regretting some of the things you were doing and made some pretty significant changes? Ben, you go first. Yeah, I'll go first. I, I think the first time when I really started noticing that I wasn't living my life the way that I wanted to, I was 25. And I had just finished graduate school and I was working. And it's funny, after you finish graduate school, you sort of think that all the hard work is over and that you just get to coast and relax and go to work and you know go to the gym and come home and make dinner and watch a movie. And I did that for a few years, and like while it was sweet when it was when it was first going on, because for the first time in my life I was making money and I was you know sort of living this idea that I had for myself. But then I got to a point where I realized I wasn't doing the things that I had set out to do when I was in my teens. So, for example, when I was fourteen or fifteen, I said to myself, "Okay, Ben, you are going to be the person that cures cancer." Like I had that sort of goal set for myself. And when I was 25, I sort of had the quarter life crisis where I was like, oh shit, I'm not, not, not doing these things that I had initially set out to do. So then how do I correct course and get back on my path? So, and I'm 28 right now, by the way. So I'm 26 right now. And probably the first real instance of regret is it probably happened a few months ago, like right as I was approaching my 26th birthday, which was when I had I had not left my job in sales at that point yet, but I was on the verge of it. And I just kind of felt like, you know, I mean, you guys remember from when I was talking to you, I was just mentally, I was just not there. Yeah, you were a mess. Right. <laughs> Thanks for putting it lightly. There wasn't even yeah. gel in your hair, man. <laughs> You were a hot mess. Yeah, but no, but I mean, it, what's crazy is that I think like almost no matter what, and maybe it's just this, like our generation, but like you do hit that quarter life or somewhere around quarter life crisis. Because that for me, it, it probably only lasted like two months, yeah. but it definitely was this like crisis moment where I was, I just felt like totally and completely stuck. Right. And I think the the biggest thing to get over is the fact that you can't do anything about it, right? Why are you smirking, Martin? Can't do anything about which part of it. Can't do anything about the fact that it's happening to you, or can't do anything about the fact of uh, about the fact that. No, no, no. I mean, I mean that. Like one of the things you have to realize is that you you shouldn't be looking at it as this is happening to me and I can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Like to like make my situation better or to you know to improve the future. The mm-hmm. fact is you can. I just think no matter what, whether it's your quarter-life crisis, whether it's a midlife crisis, whether it's job, relationship, whatever goes on, 
you gotta like give yourself time to quote unquote grieve and Martin you remember I told you a couple months ago like I feel like for every every moment in our life that is or every every event that happens in our life that affects us adversely we actually go through the five stages of grief for that and that's not grounded in science or fact that's just my opinion from my own experience but I think you actually like you go through first um, denial then you what are, sorry what are the five stages uh, we're not we're not gonna be able to pull those up <laughs> denial <laughs> anger depression all that stuff but like but it might Relapse. be like layered over like years because you're not always thinking about it but there it takes time to actually get over like the mental resolution of what's happened yeah i think that's a good yeah because um i mean to put into context all right so i'm 26 as well um soon to be 27 and I think it's interesting how you said you need to let yourself have that sort of grieving period because I remember, if, if I'm remembering correctly, and I'm sure that it even happened earlier than this, but in high school especially, at the end of every year, I remember it would be these big like milestone changes. So, you know, you finish finals and it's summer now and I would be sitting in the auditorium after, I don't know, chorus or something and I'd literally sit down and say, all right, what were the things that I did this year that I think held me back or annoyed people or that I'd like to change? Um, and I didn't write anything down. I didn't, you know, really even know that this was a, a, a kind of like a fixing regret uh, mentality. I just was like, next year I want more friends. <laughs> and I was like, how do I yeah. get more friends? Um, Ambiguous maybe, goals. Yeah, maybe I should stop complaining about my brother so much or maybe... Yeah. I should, um, you know, whatever the thing was that year that I think people were most annoyed uh, from my habits and behaviors with. And each year I would change it a little more and a little more and a little more. And college, that all kind of went out the window and was just a, a <laughs> very, in, very interesting and insane four years. Um, and then when I turned 23 uh, and started hitting that wall where I was living in the suburbs and and working in the suburbs and was sort of in this bubble and, and really needed to shift things prior to us starting Idea Lemon uh, was the next time that I sat down and went, all right, how did I get to where I am now? What are mm -hmm. the things that I'm doing that not only annoy other people, but that annoy me? And how can I truly change those things? And that was my road back from regret, I guess. Yeah. The, the road to redemption. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of my new mixtape. Nice. Yeah, actually, I did hear that from somewhere. It's interesting to me that all three of us have a moment that we can trace back to where we said, you know, like, this is enough. Like, I, I want something different for my life, and I'm going to choose to do something, you know, that's different than what I have right now. Like, to me, that's really cool Yeah. that all three of us can put our foot in the ground and just say, you know what, from here on out, things are going to be different. Something about your eyes. too because I'm not the one that put that that foot in the ground uh, initially um, I had a, I have a very good friend who lives in California now but we work together and every day we'd go get coffee and um, usually it'd be like one of us is coming out of a meeting or we're really heated from a conversation with our boss and we're just having a horrible day and uh, we would do that you know thumb pinky drinking gesture and point as we walk past <laughs> each other's desk and we'd both get up go to the 
you know, little like cafeteria area, grab a coffee, do a lap around the campus, and then come back and just vent everything out so we didn't explode at our bosses. And uh, what was what was cool about that is um, we had always talked about how we want to quit, how we want to change things, how th- things in our life aren't moving quite the way we want them to. Uh, and then one day he actually did quit. And then we'd get coffee on the weekends and we would do the same thing. And for three months, I'd sit there and continue just complaining. And he's starting a business. He's doing all these different things uh, in his life. And one day he literally stopped me and he said, all right, it's been three months. Um, You have a choice now. You either stop complaining completely and accept where you're at or you change things. Either way, you need to stop complaining because I'm done. <laughs> right. He was just sick of hearing you complain. Yeah. So so it wasn't even like me realizing at that time. It was someone telling me. And, and from that point, I was like, all right. And then I put a date to it. And then I started you know, planning things out toward that, that quitting date. And, uh, and that was, you know, it, it was good to have sort of someone kick you in the ass to get that done as well. So the important thing there is the idea of, like it's almost like product of your environment kind of thing, right? Oh, definitely. Like, it's yeah. very tough to make a decision or make changes if there's not an environment that either supports or um, or pushes down that decision. So, yes. like in your case, Martin, it was with um, your your job and leaving the job. In my case, actually, so this is an instance of when I, you know, I, I did something about it. Not the most recent job, but back in high school. Um, with with the with my track team, as a sophomore, I was as a freshman and sophomore, I was actually pretty damn slow. Uh, sophomore, I got a little bit faster, but freshman year, I was really slow. I just I don't think I realized it. <laughs> um, but on my team, my sophomore year, there were four four friends of mine who were also sophomores on the team, all qualified for the state track meet. And when they did that, it was like, on one hand, it was like, I was so pumped and so happy for them. And it was like so cool for our team that we had this sophomore relay team that ended up actually getting top nine in the state. And I looked at that and I was like, man, there's four people who are my age who just did something so astronomically better than what I have done so far in this sport. And and like when that happened, I was like, all right, like, let's go. It's go time. And from like there on out, it was, you know, I, I started running during summer with the cross country team and practicing with them. I just like turned my workouts up to like totally. And I kind of like, it was like the kick in the ass from the other people. It wasn't as direct in your case, Martin, where someone was like, you gotta stop complaining. Mine was just observing someone else do it, but who was the same age as me, where I was like, okay, if these people can do it, I can easily do, not easily, but I can definitely get to that point as well. And because of that, I mean, I think if they had just been like run of the mill and we were just this average team, I don't know if I ever would have really put that drive in me to be like, yo, I want to be right up there with them. And then what happened over the next two years was junior year, I qualified for the state meet on a relay team. And then senior year, I qualified on two relay teams and got um, one of them, we got fourth in the state. So it was like almost like this perfect culmination of going from bad to good but having an environment that basically raised my own game up. And so it made you regret your own, maybe, like, comfort in where you stood and pushed you further. And I don't don't know if it was, like, that I had comfort prior, because I definitely knew I was like, ah, man, like, I wish I was faster kind of a thing. But I don't know if I, 
really knew what it took to to up my game. Oh, the how piece. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, but then, so yeah, you're saying you regret not knowing how hard you needed to push yourself and what you needed to do to get to that next level. Well, what I'm saying is that I, I look back at that experience with no regrets because, mm, okay. you know, I mean, if I didn't make it sophomore year, that's fine. But I look back at it as like once I knew what I was doing and I, like, I was in the right frame of mind for that and like I made that my sole focus, I put everything I had into it. And when graduation came, time, time came, I was able to think about, look back on the experience with no regrets because I knew that I just, I literally, I gave it everything that I had and I left 100% of what I had out on the track. I didn't, you know, I didn't walk away with any like shoulds or, or you know, or what ifs really for, for me personally. Yeah, and th- I mean, that's interesting too because you knew it was a very concrete goal, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a concrete goal and the steps to get there are literally steps to get there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Quick so, steps. <laughs> they, move, they move fast with their steps. Um, you understood the steps to get there. <laughs> And and that's I mean that's the that's the toughest part is that nothing you're you're not just running in a straight line anymore I love that um, well yeah well, he's running in a circle it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> oh, all right, but <laughs> I guess we are running in circles a lot but um, yeah no I I think it is interesting I like that like cartoon where it's like what we expect our trajectory in life to be and it's like point at the bottom at the scale point at the top straight line what success really looks like and it's that big squiggly mess. Um, and I, th- I think it's it's interesting too because once you do make jumps the way that you know the three of us have tried to in in the past, um, even as you're doing those things, you're not certain that those are right or wrong, and you really have no idea if you're making the right choice until you look back years later and see where you are today versus where you were then. And so I know there was a day when I was um, you know unemployed or in between jobs after I quit Discover. And I was, it was right after I'd quit and I was, you know, a few months out and I was just having one of those weird days where you're trying to get a lot done, but you feel like you're not accomplishing anything. I hear and, you. Yeah, yeah, and you're I was, just spinning your wheels, not getting anything done. Yeah, or, or things might be getting done, but you don't see results from it. So you kind of feel empty in a way. And I remember walking down the street and I looked up and I saw this guy, uh, Emerson Sparts. And he's. Uh, Why does that sound familiar? He's. Uh, he created MuggleNet. Oh. Okay. Back in the day, like when he was like twelve, he went to Notre Dame for fun. Um, he, <laughs> he, uh, he. Yeah, I g- went to Notre Dame for. He fun. gave a TED talk at when I was at Discover um, about you know the he he created this you know sports media company where it creates all these different viral websites and uh, you know millionaire uh, or at least that's the what I, I know about him to this point. Um, but I was just walking on the street one day and I was like kind of caught up in like the, did I make the right choice? What's going on? Like kind of a feeling. And I look up and he's just walking past me with his hands in his pockets, listening to music. And I was just like, I don't know what to feel right now. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I just walked past someone who's a millionaire and his, who's younger than me. Um, yeah, I, what have I done with my life? <laughs> I don't currently have a job. I'm putting on an event this week that I don't even know, like all this different stuff. And it was it was really interesting because, you know, uh, in that moment, I really regretted what was going on because I'm like, how do I not know where I'm going with this or how do I not have what I want already? Uh, the impatience aspect of it. And um, 
you know, I just kind of had to shake it off and go to our office on Erie and, and keep working on our, <laughs> on our plans and, and getting that event set up and, and our workshops and things because uh, at the end of the day, I can look at him and, and be jealous or envious or whatever and wish that I still had a steady income. But um, if, if I didn't ignore that regret in the moment, I never would have gotten to where I am now, looking back, where I'm much happier today than I was back then, and, and so on and so forth. Um, so I'm very curious to know if there's any regrets that you guys maybe had at one point that you're glad you ignored throughout your life. Excuse me, say the question again, are regrets that we're glad we ignored? Yeah, so maybe you felt like you, oh, I should have done that, or I regret not doing this thing, or I regret making that choice. But then you look back on it a few years later and you realize, oh no, that actually worked out really well. Yeah, I think that's just a natural consequence of <laughs> growing up and not wanting the same things anymore and your, your, your tastes changing and, and your friends changing and everything about your life becoming different. Uh, I don't know if I, 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 I mean, sure, yeah. I, I think at different points in my life, you know, maybe in, in college I would have wished that I would have partied an extra night of the week, you know. I was like, man, I really should have added a Tuesday night into my Wednesday through Sunday. <laughs> but, you know, you, you come to the point now and you're like, okay, well, did I really need to drink five nights a week? Was four good enough? You know, did I get, <laughs> did I accomplish the goal enough? I mean, I feel like I did, but that's it, just a natural consequence of getting older. I don't know. Raj, what do you think? I don't know if, I, if I'm totally understanding the question or if I just live so piously that I don't have an instance of this. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Raj actually has no regrets at all. He's lived a perfect life, a perfect existence. It's a common theme through all these, you know? Yeah. You're trying to find yeah. something wrong about yourself. and No, there's nothing wrong about <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, I, I... All right, so to kind of clarify, what I'm trying to say is... Um, have there been things that you spent more time worrying about and regretting than you should have? Well, I think those are two different things, worrying about it and then regretting it. To me, regret is like you look back on a phase and you know that you could have given more. You know that you could have done more. You know you could have been more driven, more focused. You could have accomplished more. To me, worrying is just like anticipation it's something you're 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 anxious about in the moment but it goes away yeah does that make sense i, I suppose I, I i guess on that note i don't know if i'm answering this appropriately or not but if i'm but if i do understand it so in college i was and martin you were part of this but i was president of the undergraduate marketing club and a lot of my time was spent I, I, there were a handful of friends who were part of the club too who were just kind of like dicking around as part of the club and so much of my time and effort was spent trying to make them like be these active and like positive members of the club instead of just letting them do their thing oh, yeah. and focus on the people who actually cared I don't know I was like so hell bent on making them see that this was like worthwhile and to stop dicking around instead of just being like cool if you want to dick around that's fine I'll focus on the other 18 people who actually want to be here. <laughs> right. But for whatever reason, and it's probably because they were friends and I wanted to maybe in a way show them that like, or you know, earn their respect, I suppose, in that setting. But yeah, I just, I don't know if that was worth it to, to focus on, on them when clearly there were other people who were really invested in it. To me, that sounds like regret though. I mean, that sounds like 
you look back and you're like, wow, why did I waste my time on these people when I could have been more focused in doing something else? Yeah. I, okay, so maybe I didn't answer the question correctly. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't even know if it's a good question. But, <laughs> but the, I actually, I like that answer a lot because um, going back to Ben's point, could I have gotten another night of partying in? I feel like I did, uh, and I I regret uh, not taking that night to, um, you know, maybe work on some other things. Although I did do quite a bit in college, um, I, I also think one of my regrets going back to what you were saying about DePaul is not keeping in touch with teachers, um, and that was something I've regretted since graduation. And have like, I remember at graduation, like right before, I had a list of all my teachers from the past four years, and I was going to write them all like handwritten thank yous and do all this different like you know stuff to keep in touch and I never did any of it like I had it all written out all ready to go and like just never sat down to write the letters because writing by hand is you know tedious and we were in college and we were graduating and uh, <laughs> and it was one of those things that I've regretted for the past you know four plus years and I've always been like oh, I really wish I'd done that I really wish I've been keeping in touch with teachers and reaching out and all that stuff and then all of a sudden this past like three months um, my photography teacher reaches out to me and we start hanging out again um, and talking about marketing because he's in marketing now and we start playing cards against humanity on the weekend with a group of people <laughs> and um, I reach back out to uh, to this guy who I totally like it slipped my mind that I even took this class and, and took these personality tests which I'm obsessed with now and I found an old essay I'd written to him that is that actually answered the current thing that I'm to clarify with. an essay for his class. And you didn't like write him like a love letter. No, no, no. <laughs> I wrote an essay for his class about my personality. It's okay type. if you did. We can edit that out later. <laughs> and and I like went through my I like logged into my old email, found this essay, reread it, and it answered questions that I have today about my my life path, my career path, and things like that, uh, which apparently were the same questions I was asking. You know. In, yeah. in in college and and what I think is so funny is that even though I carried that regret with me for the past four plus years about not reaching out to these teachers it doesn't mean that you can't still fix those regrets yeah. and and even you know if you don't try to fix them sometimes it'll just pop up and fix itself randomly yeah well so okay so a big thing I'm realizing as you mentioned that is that is like and I, I don't know what I mean to like maybe kill the conversation but or perhaps this gives us a new like tangent to go on but does it even like matter right at the end of the day like you may have regretted it at one point Martin but it, things kind of came full circle and if they didn't I mean would it would it have mattered to you or maybe it would it still well, lead to you no and I think that's my point is why are we even regretting these things in the first place? I regret them because someone told me that it's good to have relationships with your teachers outside mm -hmm. and beyond college. It's good to keep in touch with people. It's good to, you know, like, I remember that for like a year I tried to look up articles and send them to people that I wanted to keep in touch with but really didn't have like any sort of conversational relationship with. And like, it's just awkward and it's weird and people push you to do these things. And you like, and then you don't do it, and you regret not doing it because you're told that that's what you're supposed to be doing. And then all of a sudden, you see like other people who are like, "Oh, I was just getting lunch with my old, you know, group from college yeah. and seeing my teachers, and they got me a new job and all this stuff." And then you're like, 
you live in this world. That's like, actually exactly what happened to me. No, like I, I got together with the group from college Friday night. Oh, for real? Yeah. <laughs> and I got got coffee with a te- with a professor this morning. Exactly. And, and I just <laughs> so find you're it's, talking about me. Well, <laughs> I've known you since college, and <laughs> and what, but what I think is so interesting about that is is the fact that it doesn't matter, and and that's what I'm trying to get at is. Why do we have these regrets? Because not all regrets are like looking back lifelong regrets. Oh, I never, you know, said I love you to that person, right? right? A lot of them are just little ones over and over again throughout your life that either paralyze you or stress you out or stop you from doing other things because you're regretting doing this. You never do that. Something about the change it brings from me. It's, it's a feedback mechanism. It's like a history textbook, you know. We learned in World War II that genocide and killing people was really, really bad, and we know not to do it again. In the same way, regrets are like that for you. You learn that, okay, when I don't take action, when I say that I'm going to reach out, tell my professors, and write them very nice handwritten love letters, whatever you said, Martin, <laughs> And then when you don't do that, you learn that that makes you feel really shitty, right? <laughs> and going forward, it's sort of like it's it's a teaching thing for you, right? Yeah. I, if I'm going to guess from an evolutionary perspective, that's why it's sort of hardwired into our brains because everybody feels regret. And it's one of the ways that we move forward, learn from our mistakes, and then become better. That's a, So first off, I did not expect a Holocaust reference or analogy to be dropped <laughs> during this during this conversation. So it's a very very interesting uh, comparison you made there. I learned a lot. <laughs> but but I think that that's a good point though. Is like these are all just teaching and learning experiences, and I mean this ties to like the idea of being afraid to fail as well. But like, is there really such thing as failure, or is there really such thing as regret, or is it just? instances that you learn from because had you not had an instance of regret before you wouldn't have made a different decision later on yeah wow that was that was good say that again is there regret or is there failure or is it just teaching and learning instances because if you didn't have the instance of regret in the past maybe you wouldn't have made a specific decision or choice later on well regret is all three of those things right it's you know, it, it, it's all of them, and that's sort of what makes it this big, ugly feeling, and that's why it's so present in all of our lives. Yeah. Well, it, it's yeah, and a lot of it is now more than ever is that like the FOMO mindset. Oh yeah. Which I think, I think because currently because you have exposure to so many different things at one time, there's the whole fear of missing out thing becomes ever more present because. You know, before, maybe even 10, 15 years ago, if you were going to this bar with your friends, that was cool and it was fine. And unless you called up your other friends to see what they were doing, you didn't really know what else was going on. On a payphone. Right, you had no idea. Yeah, on a payphone or calling the bar's phone. (laughs) Now it's you go to this bar with your friends, but then you check in and you see that your other friends are at another bar or they're at this movie or you see them posting right. Instagram You might have photos. a great night and still not feel good because you saw what other people did. 
Right. You see on Facebook that everybody else had some awesome nights, you know, some crazy party where everybody's just having an awesome They're all time. hanging out in Snuggies. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Just like the most fun you've ever seen. But that's one of the problems I see with Facebook over and over again. And that's one of the reasons I can't go on there because I go on there and it's just like... Do you have a Facebook I, account? I do have a Facebook account and I yeah, check yeah, it friends. maybe right. like... <laughs> once every three months and that's why people get really mad at me because I can't get a hold of me but I literally just need to protect myself from myself because I go on there and I see all my friends little highlight clips of themselves and they're you know in front of the Eiffel Tower and then they're at some other really cool place in Europe and then they're you know on the beaches of Mexico and they're hang gliding and parasailing and they you know Oh, drinking with millionaires and stuff like that. I'm have like, been, oh have my you been God. looking at my Facebook page now? <laughs> I have been looking at your Facebook page. I'm actually looking at it right now. I'm just going through the different profiles. She's writing you so, a love letter. <laughs> yeah. It's handwritten, though, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, but, that, but that's huge, though, right? Oh, sorry. Were you going to continue on? No, go ahead. Sorry. It's What this does is it creates a constant need to compare yourself to what else is happening. And... That, I think, is a huge source of regret because you see what are your other options available to you. I, I, I have mixed feelings on this, though, because I take that as a motivator, personally. So I see, you know, Matt Wilson's Facebook and all the stuff he's doing and, you know, being on Huffington Post and all that stuff. And I sit there and I just think, well, I know Matt. Like, I've talked to him. And he's not on a, you know, the Eiffel Tower somewhere, right? Like, he's not, he's, he's not unachievable, that lifestyle. Right. And so if that is the lifestyle I want, I know that it's actually achievable um, if you build the right structure and, and do the right things. And um, I, every time I'm on Facebook, although it's now mostly just, you know, companies and, you know, news sources that I follow on there, but... I don't necessarily get that sense of regretting my life as much as I maybe used to in college, um, where I'd see people like dating each other and I'd regret that I didn't have a girlfriend yet or some weird thing like that. Um, but on the, in the same token, going back to what you said about there being so many options and so much information, and um, if we're not in touch with what we actually do want, I can definitely see that getting overwhelming, and, and personally, it, it happens to me all the time, getting overwhelmed reading, you know, all these different blogs and listening to all these different podcasts, and every day you're like, oh my gosh, this would be the coolest life ever if I could just be, you know, working in radio, or if I, because I'm obsessed with podcasts right now, or um, this would be the best life ever if I could travel the world all the time, and um, and I, I am a little bit torn between those different ideas because on the one hand, it's a motivator to go figure out what it is that you want and achieve it. And on the other hand, you could get so caught up that you never take action. So I'm curious how you guys think about that. Yeah, I think when you see all these different options everywhere, it just causes you to lose focus. It causes you to be really overstimulated with all these different options because all of us have a very unique, distinct path that we're on different things that we're going towards and some of us are you know going to make it in the podcasting arena some of us are going to make it in real estate some of us are going to make it in physics or engineering or whatever discipline we're in and like we can't all be doing everything at once and we're not all designed to be doing everything at once yeah i think it's interesting too because going back to the point earlier where 
back in the day we didn't have all this information so we didn't know that these lifestyles existed um it i i was home talking with my parents over the weekend and uh we were we were just sitting around i was telling them all the different things that we're trying to do with ideal lemon and and the conversations that we're having and uh, my mom just sits back and goes you know, you, you, you guys, y'all sure think a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. She's like, you, you guys just sound like you're just constantly sitting around thinking. She's like, we had like two kids by this time. Like, <laughs> we didn't have time to think. We just did things. Which and is like, crazy when you think about that. I like can't how, how things change. Yeah. And, and I was, I kept bringing up the point. I'm like, well, it's different today than it was back then, mom. And she was just like, I don't think it is. Like all the, all the problems that you guys are having are the same problems you're just putting way too much thought into them. <laughs> well, there's just the opportunity to have all the different thought, right? I mean, you have so many different messages. I saw a statistic recently that we see four and a half thousand different consumer messages every single day. Like we're just what? we're just constantly just bombarded with everything, and we don't even know who we are or what we want out of life anymore. Like we, we no one knows who they are anymore. And I think that's the biggest problem. And that's for people who aren't in marketing. If you work in marketing, holy crap. It's it's amazing. Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. The, the whole Minority Report thing where he's walking down the street and all the ads are reading his eyes and saying, like, hello, Mr. Takanashi, or, or whatever, because he got his eyeballs changed. Uh, that whole thing is, <laughs> is so true because for years you walked down the street and, I, I oh, my gosh, I remember back in high school, so I'm 50% Irish and... Um, when St. Patrick's Day would roll around, it was like, I have to be as Irish as possible. I like spray painted my khakis with a bunch of Irish shamrocks and wore an authentic Irish shirt from Target and had like all this like <laughs> decked out Irish and then college rolled around. I was like, I'm going to be the most Irish person for all these crazy <laughs> parties and um, like had a bow and arrow like uh, with... Did you dye um, your hair orange too? I'll, I'll have to put a picture in the show notes or something because it's so ridiculous. But, um, no, it, it, it is interesting how if these labels, and we've, we talked about this a little bit in the perception one, um, perception versus reality, where you do start taking on the identities that people throw at you, mm-hmm. even if it's unconscious, and that if every day you see 44,000 messages and each one tells you you're someone different and tells you that not only are you someone different, but you are the best at that being that person so you watch a cliff bar commercial and suddenly you think you're the best mountain biker and then five minutes later you're watching a a, you know smart water commercial thinking you're going to save the planet and then five minutes later you're watching an axe commercial thinking you're going to get a million girls (laughs) and at the end of the day you're just a guy sitting on the couch who smells like shit eating a cliff bar (laughs) (laughs) watching lots of tv (laughs) watching too many commercials Why do we have to smell that? Well, the axe <laughs> oh, right, doesn't yeah, smell yeah. very good. That's right. Okay. At least in my... No, no it smells not, like a 13-year-old boy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the sorry save, if there's any 13-year-old boys listening. Well, <laughs> or the Save the Bros campaign. Have you guys seen that? No, I haven't oh, seen amazing. that. We'll, we'll link to it. Okay, so I want to go back to one thing because I've been, I, I've been googling it here as you guys have been talking. He's Someone been actually, a friend this. actually sent this to me earlier today, and, and, it, and it applies when we, to the idea of choices and how there's you know constantly 
the fear of missing out resulting from the fact that there are so many choices at any given fear time. of missing out with the paralysis of choice um so this is an article from brain pickings and it is about this mathematician named hannah fry Ben, i think you're going to geek out on this in a second because it involves the probably yeah Ooh, equations <laughs> hey actually i saw this website yesterday sorry <laughs> so the article is Okay, called What Mathematics Reveals About the Secret of Lasting Relationships and the Myth of Compromise. All right, now bear with me here. The mathematician's name is Hannah Fry. She she applies this equation known as the Drake equation, which is kind of like really ironic that it's Drake. It's I mean it's a math it's named after a mathematician named Francis Drake, but like <laughs> but like we're talking about FOMO and, and, and Drizzy Drake is like the, the name behind this. <laughs> Are you not gonna you know sing a couple lyrics to open open this up? FOMO YOLO. to where you've found the right person for you. And she applies this principle called the optimal stopping theory. And she says this is to help solve the, quote, price of admission problem. Um, so essentially, I'm going I'm to directly quote Fry here. It tells you that if you are destined to date 10 people in your lifetime, you have the highest probability of finding the one when you reject your first four lovers. If you are destined to date 20 people, you should reject the first eight. And if you are destined to date an infinite, infinite number of partners, you should reject the first 37%, giving you just over a one in three chance of success. So, say you start dating when you're 15 years old and would ideally like to settle down by the time you're 40. In the first 37% of your dating window, until just after your 24th birthday, you should reject everyone. Use this time to get a feel for the market and a realistic expectation of what you can expect in a life partner. Once this rejection phase has passed, pick the next person who comes along who is better than everyone you have met before. Following this strategy will definitely give you the best possible chance of finding the number one partner on your imaginary list. Did you hang with me on that one? I did hang with you on that one. Okay, I'm really curious, Ben, since you're the, you're the science guy, to, to get <laughs> your input on that. And someone who's engaged. Yeah. Don't say anything incriminating <laughs> to your engagement. <laughs> so, so her whole theory is that you should just continue to reject people until you reach 
you find the next person that you like best, right? That was her whole thing, right? Yeah, that is like better than like everyone else you have dated in the past. Which is kind of like a flawed logic, I think, because... Yeah. Or, I mean, it's kind of like obvious. Like, you don't... I mean, you try not to settle. See, my whole problem with that is that being... Finding the one, I have air quotes right now, is a lot more about where you are in your life as opposed to... You know how many people you've dated and who's the next person in line that's next best yeah i agree i think timing is everything yeah it is it is so much more to do with two people who are ready for that sort of commitment and then have you know conquered enough in their own personal life to be able to come together and be happy with that decision so it i i don't necessarily like the logic of just <laughs> you know date this many people and then the next person that you find that you like you know settle down with that one that one doesn't make any sense to me but although i mean if you are playing the odds sure she's got a point there well so how does ghosting play into all this because <laughs> because i feel like there it hasn't been really rejection except for kind of mutual rejection in my, oh all right i'm i'm overgeneralizing but the yeah. point being is like that's if you're officially dating people, which I don't hear. There's all these articles out these days about how people don't actually date anymore. They, like, hang out right. for a period of time, hook up for a period of time, and then suddenly it's like, yeah, we're just, I kind of. You go from a hanging out to we're in a relationship, <laughs> or, like, or like we're casually dating to we're in a relationship. Or hanging out to... Oh yeah, we just never text each other anymore. <laughs> right. Like you just slowly drift yeah. away. Or like one person sends three text messages and because you can see them in succession, you go, This person hates my guts. And then like you totally lose your mind. But um no, I, I think it's interesting on the one hand, I mean, I'm sure she has lots, lots more that you can read to back that up and I'm curious to know more. Um but then on the other hand, what has maybe worked and not worked for you guys in the past with that and have you regretted any of your dating strategies up to this point well so i think like (laughs) what have i not regretted (laughs) i haven't really okay yeah sorry i I don't want to be the first one to go all right so when my friend emailed me this article what i replied with was oh that's really interesting i've i've never really thought about breaking dating down into a science like that I'm much more. I'm much more subscribed to the fact that things happen for a reason, and I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll stick to that. Yeah. <laughs> so like something like this, it kind of. I don't know. Honestly, it freaks me out. But it's like, eh, do I really want to start to compartmentalize everything down to that specific like mathematical formula, or would I rather just kind of go with it? Could you imagine showing this to your potential future, you know, significant? You know what? Hey, you know, you know what? I'm, I, I'm sorry, babe. You're 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 in the 33rd percentile, and I need you to get to 37th percentile for this to work. No, no, no. But right. I just listened to a podcast the other day with the woman who created Chemistry.com, I think, um, and she was talking about how she didn't like the algorithms that were on these dating websites, so she created her own based off her own needs and her own wants, and she wouldn't. She would only date you if you were above 80 percent. In her in her categorization, her algorithm, mm-hmm. and she ended up finding someone who's like, you know, eighty five, ninety, or something like that, and they're you know married with kids now, and she actually did show him her entire like breakdown, and what she did was she created fake profiles mm-hmm. to like um, figure out what her competition was. Wow! Because when Jesus. she well, so she did the math, and she realized that there's only like thirty guys in her city that are potential dates <laughs> based off of the just you know gender, age, 
and like hobbies uh, in her city. And so she's like, uh, do I just want to wing it and hope I bump into one of these 33 guys? Or do I, you know, try and make it happen? Um, and she's highly analytical. So, um, like, one of her criteria that she put on her dating profile was, I, I want to date someone who is, appreciates the beauty of a good spreadsheet. And she's like, and she does, and it's wonderful. And like, uh, but I, this lady scares me. Nothing sexier than a woman who knows the proper use of a semicolon. <laughs> but I think that's the point. It's like, you know, different... Which is something I've said before. Different, different strokes for different folks, but... Yeah. Um... At the end of the day, what everyone does have a strategy, whether it's yeah. written in a spreadsheet or not. And is it your strategy or is it a strategy that someone told you when you were a kid? Like, oh, you're just supposed to you know, hook up with everybody and then you never want to commit to anyone? Or is it, oh, you're supposed to marry the first person you sleep with and then you just do that? Or yeah. what is it that you're following? It's in like, are you... To reference how about your mother, are you going to be Barney? Are you going to be Marshall and Lily? Or are you going to be Ted? Oh, please don't be Ted. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioning that, like, the 80% thing, that reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where... I can't remember which episode, but Elaine's like. So basically, what you're saying is 95% of the population is undateable? Undateable! (laughs) Then how are all these people getting together? Alcohol. When you when you said the eighty to ninety percent thing, I immediately had this like flash vision of the future that our entire dating lives are going to be predicted by computers. So sort of like how traditional marriages in the past, like you had arranged marriages. In the future, you'll have, um, you know, calculated. Yeah. Instead of the exchange of like cows for daughter, it right. will be like. Well, and we've <laughs> talked about that before too. How um, arranged marriages and dating, uh, online dating, are it, it's the exact same thing. You're just in control of it. Um, yeah. And I mean, I'm sure there's even books and articles out about this now. Totally. Um, totally. It's fascinating. Well, yeah, you look at like a Match.com, OkCupid, or whatever, but what they're doing is, Ben, you talk about calculated marriages. It it literally is that, right? Like you you input preferences and then algorithms are created to show you potential matches and it will only show you potential matches that meet that algorithm. Right. My question is who's creating these algorithms, right? It's obviously someone who's very computer (laughs) science. You know, the architect of the Matrix. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the the end result is only as good as the person who's putting in the, the calculations, right? I mean, it's based off of assumptions. Yeah, and you're, okay, you're yeah, that's almost a fair point. Almost the entire point. human yeah, element there. Well, and, and I think they even said in that podcast, the one thing that you can't make an algorithm for is how people act when they're in front of each other. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and uh, that aspect of it, I think, really breaks down everything else. Well, so, and the, this idea of, like, the preferences and the algorithms and the, the information and choice available, so, you know, when do you know when to stop or, or when you should continue dating with other people or just one person, I think what, what's, unfor- well, I don't know if it's unfortunate or it's just the sign of the times, but, Martin, we've seen this with our friend, Ben, I don't know if you have similar um, experiences, but, you know, like, I've seen people, they they get into that decision paralysis because there are more choices available to them. So it's like, 
yeah, this guy was cool, or yeah, that girl was cool and fun to hang out with. But there's three other people who also are good looking and like but Chicago Blackhawks. She, she, so she doesn't have them. the right haircut. Like yeah. that's gonna stay the like, same. Do you remember? So yeah, no, I, I totally get what you're saying, and, it, and it's an exact same thing that we were talking about earlier. You've literally just got so many different options, and there's so many different people out there. And I'll, I'll go back to the point I made earlier. People don't know themselves, and they don't know what they want anymore. Well, and that I think the key the key there is. I think that's like cart before the horse in the sense of you got to know what you want in order to know what you want out of what you want out of yourself in order to know what you want out of someone else. And you got to date some duds to understand what you want. <laughs> I know, but I think that, that, that no, it's absolutely right. You're saying in jest, but it's absolutely true. Like, and I think that's the whole point of rejecting the first people. It's because she's saying you don't know what you want. You don't know who you are until you've dated X number of people and figured that out. Like, you're not going to know what your ideal mate is until you've had some bad ones that you can use as, you know, uh, a stone to jump off of, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's bring this back around to the original question of... The regret. What are you going to regret? Was it what you're going to regret when you get older? What will you regret when you look back? When you... Okay. So I'm curious for you to... What are the common threads, the common themes, the common elements between the things that you regret? Well, <laughs> on a very surface level, I frequently regret when I go to a restaurant that I ordered one thing and not the other thing. <laughs> 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 it's like I know it's like I know the omelets reliable, but instead I went for like the crazy pancakes. <laughs> I never regret food. No. Interesting. No, I would say the common theme for me is an action. I regret inaction more than anything else. Um, and I think it's a weird catch-22 because the reason I fear inaction is because I fear having regret when I'm old. Yeah. And because I fear regret, I don't want to sit around doing nothing because, and if I do, I regret it in the short term and then potentially in the long term as well. But I get confused then because we go back to the whole thing of, you know, I never sent those letters to my teachers, but it didn't even matter. So I do things out of fear of future regret. And then I also so experience you're just constantly running regret, scared. And it's like maybe you're it's running just, scared of your future yeah, self. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying it out loud now. It's kind of freaking me out. It's kind of, it's kind of a weird thing to think about. I, I, I think for me, though, inaction is, I think that's an element for me. Like, it's the same idea. Like, I don't want to look back and be like, should have like I really don't want to ever look back and be like oh if only if only the hash browns yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think what kind of keeps me going though is it's it's like crazy when you find out that your parents are right you know it's like yes. on the one hand it's like nice but at the same time it's like damn it they were right yeah you're, you're <laughs> mad about it like, oh damn it mom right why are you right about that one <laughs> well, so one of the things my dad used to always tell my brother and I growing up and this was like kind of how in a way like looking back he was at the time I wouldn't have seen it but looking back he was able to like motivate and instill like a good I guess mindset in us was he always said uh, and, and this is like you know when we kind of like you know go out and like play with friends or whatever and he was like no like why don't you read or why don't you study or whatever typical Indian parent yeah um, <laughs> he would say I never want you to say that the best years of your life 
were when your parents were providing for you. And crazily enough, like in a way, like that totally like fuels like my like drive to want to like continue to do different things and and you know test out different ideas and go down different paths because like he's right, right? You don't wanna you don't wanna look back and be like, man, high school was the best years of my life. And that's the time when I was in a bedroom in my the home I grew up in and I had three meals a day provided for me by my mom and dad. Sounds right. wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound awesome at times, especially the meal thing. Until you're there. <laughs> I have a so I have a friend who sometimes when he goes out, he like when he's when he's talking to girls, so sometimes just like, you know, mess around and have fun and he'll tell them, like when they ask, Oh, what do you do? He'll go, uh, so I'm a professional Halo gamer. And he says it like a straight face, and they're like, Oh, like what do you mean? He's like, you know, like like the Xbox game Halo? And they're like, Yeah. And he'll be like, Yeah, so like I get paid to play in Halo tournaments. And like it's so cool. Like I live in my mom's basement, like she brings me breakfast every day, she does my laundry. Like it's just like the best life. And ever. he goes home with the girls yeah. every night. Yeah. <laughs> I need a place to come to Meatloaf, mom. <laughs> <laughs> But no, to, anyways, to bring it back, but like that's where like my lack of, I think, having, like, it sounds, again, I don't want to say like pious or it sounds so like righteous, but I don't really look at my life thus far with regret because anytime I think about, wow, like, why aren't I, you know, why aren't I going to go like do something? I find a way, one way or another, I find a way to like to do it. It might not be the full scale version of, you know, let's take ideal women for example. Well, take, but before you go down that road, okay, I'm going to challenge this because your regret is that you don't know how to get to the big idea in your head. So even though you've accomplished something small, this is what will you regret? And that's the true. idea yeah, is yeah, yeah. that You're you, right. sure, you can do thousands of tiny projects that never get seen and never accomplish anything. And that's what you'll look back on a regret because you never actually spent the time to pick one and make it awesome. And you'll just say, yeah, I tried a whole bunch of things, but none of them ever came to fruition. Um, I might be creating that regret for you. That might be something that's real inside of you. I don't know. But I, I, I think that because you said that how piece earlier, yeah. maybe that's one of the things that you fear. Yeah, it's partly. Well, that's like the I think that's what creates the regret of like when I say like thus far I really don't regret I actually like am pretty happy with my life thus far I don't really regret anything overall like I probably could have said something differently in one instance or, or you know one time in my life or another or done something differently but overall I'm not like oh my god like if only I would have went to college at wherever right like, I think that that's just wasted energy and the more you realize that all the time you spend worrying about all the things that you should have done, you could be spending to do more things or do better things or achieve more. Yeah. At least, at least that's what's going through my head when I have those thoughts because they do come into my head. I'm like, ah, you know, I should have started my blog sooner. I should have started working on this stuff sooner. But I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I, I, I can't take that back. And I just, I only, I'm only going to be as young as I am right now. So I might as well work even harder now yeah. to make up for it. I agree with that, and and we're probably similar in this sense that, like, I don't necessarily, like, look at things as, like, yes, like, lost time exists, but I kind of always, and maybe this is the fact that I had the background running track, but, like, I kind of always see it, like, it's, like, no matter, like, where I am, there's always, like, a, a new, like, starting line that can be formed. 
It's not like, oh, I'm too far down the road. I can't, I can't go pursue this, or I can't take that trip, or I can't try this out. It's like I always look at it as, you know, there's another starting line that, that I can approach or, you know, that I can walk up to and, and get down and do whatever you call it, four-point stance. But what do you guys think of, because this is something I hear a lot, because, ben, ben, what you said where, oh, I wish I had started that sooner. Um, one of my personal regrets is the fact that I wait so long to start things. Um, so we've talked about this before, but the fact that you, the fact that Raj put a phone down and recorded one, or, one of our conversations and said, here, listen to this, we should start a podcast. If, if that never <laughs> happened... <laughs> I'd still be trying to think of a brand for the podcast before ever, you know, recording a single episode. Um, and that's something I have regretted and continue to, on a daily basis, struggle with. And I think it's the daily struggles that are the hardest ones because it's not a single point in time that we regret. It's a constant behavior trait or habit or, you know, like people who regret being a smoker, but every day they still go smoke cigarettes. Um, those are the ones I think that beat us up the hardest it, it's not like oh I wish I went to a different college because yeah we can't change that we're not going to go back maybe if we I see what you're saying yeah. I but wish I was a little bit taller I wish I was a baller yeah I wish I was a little bit taller <laughs> hello I wish I was a little bit taller I wish I was a baller I wish I had a girl who looked good I would call her wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat a six form father I wish I was like six foot nine so I could get with Leo. She cause she don't know me, but yo, she's really fine. You know, I see her all the time everywhere I go. And even in my dreams, I can scheme a way to make her mine. Cause I know she's living back. Her boyfriend's tall and he plays ball. So how am I going to compete with that? Cause when it comes to playing basketball, I'm always last to be picked. And in some cases, never picked at all. So I just lean up on the wall. Or sit up in the bleachers with the rest of the girls who came to watch they man ball. Dad, y'all, I never understood black weather jocks get the fly girls. And me, I get the hood rats. I tell them scat, skittles, kebab. Got hit with a body. But in the hospital for talking that mess. I confess it's a shame when you living in a city that's the size of a box. And nobody knows your name. Glad I came to my senses Like quick, quick, got sick, sick to my stomach Overcoming by thoughts of me and her together, right? So when I asked out, she said I wasn't a type I wish I was a little bit taller I wish I was a baller I wish I had a girl with a good, I would call her I wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat it's all the things that we have complete control over and we know we could change at any moment we actually wanted to. It's just we don't actually have the the balls to go ahead and do that. Like I think I think that's what the common theme I keep hearing from both of you guys is is like we know, like Martin, you could have written the love letters to your professors, but wait. Know. But to be clear, you weren't trying to write love letters to your no, professors. I was just messing like, around. Thank you notes, people. <laughs> he was trying to write thank you notes when the semester ended. <laughs> right, but it, it's all those things like okay, you, you, you know, I hear this a lot with like talking to people about their health issues because they know, for example, that they should eat better, and that's. The, of all the things that are in your control, you have the all like complete control over everything that goes into your mouth and you chew and you swallow and you digest, right? But they just they can't stop it, so they feel like all the shame and regret from continuing to have these bad eating habits. Mm-hmm. So I just I, I see that that is a constant theme among. You've obviously regrets. never been to the Country Kitchen Buffet. <laughs> <laughs> no control. Old country, I got a membership country card. Country Kitchen or Old Country? Uh, old I country. think I'm doing the South Park version. Oh, okay. <laughs> well. So, what you bring up there, it actually aligns really well with uh, the blog post I wrote recently about the idea of being busy, which, in a way, this is where I'm going to relate it. Like, 
there are things every day you can control, right? Like I should eat better, I should exercise more, uh, I should whatever do yoga. But you gotta look at like instead of like when you look at everything that you should do or want to do for yourself, that's in a way uh, decision paralysis because you've got all these things and it's like, well, God, there's so much in front of me. Fuck it, I'm just, I'm just going to do nothing and continue going as I'm going. Next episode of Lost. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which, sidebar, I never saw an episode of Lost ever. But I watched the series finale, when it, like, live when it came out. So having no no background to the show, I watched, like, one of the most epic, like, episodes in television history. You can call right. it epic, or you can call it well, maddenly disappointing after four right. years of... Speaking of regret, I regret wasting Wednesday nights for three years watching that stupid show. You know what? Show. But I don't, because I made some great friends. And we're able, and you're able to reference it on podcasts. Damn now, straight. So for that reason, and I'm able to listen to so podcasts like Cracked and get their jokes. <laughs> and, and, and I will never will. So back to the the point I was making. You have all these choices, and you instead like it's like either a hundred percent or nothing is the mindset that we have. Versus, you've got to look at it as there's all these things in front of me. Well, what do I want to prioritize? Like, you're always going to have a shit ton of things. But if you decide you only want to prioritize four of them or two or even one of them, then you can actually start to take the little steps to, to correct the way or change the habits or however you want to phrase it. Right. And that actually reminds me of the book, The One Thing. And I, the last time we talked, I brought that book up because it's such an awesome book. And the question that he continues to ask you is, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will become easier or unnecessary. Mm -hmm. So you start out with this huge list of things that you feel like you should do, right? And then if you keep asking that question, you can keep narrowing that list down to you find the one thing that you should be focusing on. And then from there, lots of times, all those other dominoes just fall. And when you apply this way of thinking to your life, it just sort of eliminates a lot of this feeling of should be doing stuff. You know, I, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. But when you actually just focus on, okay, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will become easier or unnecessary, a lot of the other stuff just falls away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And it, it literally, it's just like taking things piece by piece instead of trying to, you know, instead of trying to eat the, the whole cake, you're just eating a slice of the cake. Right. Whoa. I'm putting my whole face in the cake, and I'm misstyling <laughs> it until it's done. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> no, but okay, so I I definitely agree with that idea of, of the one thing. Um, where I struggle with it is the one thing always brings up other things, right? So like once you get in it, it it either will impact other things that are going on in your life, or it will create new things in your life. All good stuff, right? Hopefully. Um, Hopefully. But but one of the things when we talked about that the last time was I said, you know, if I get good sleep, then everything else will be easier, right? Well, not everything is designed to, you know, allow you to get to bed at 1030 every night, right? And so prioritizing that, while it might be really good for you and it might get you to bed, you might be creating other issues in your life if you don't know how to necessarily maybe tell um, 
you know, your girlfriend that you need to hang up the phone at a certain time, or, <laughs> or you know, are that, we gonna have to edit that out, or is that? No, I'm, it's fine. <laughs> We've had many conversations about it, but like the the point being is like, <laughs> but the point being is that is your girlfriend a professor that you sent a letter to? <laughs> As a matter of fact, that's one we're gonna know. Uh, <laughs> but no, but the point being is like that's just one funny example. But the the real thing is that that every time you choose one thing, you're saying no to everything else. Right. Yeah. And that creates other issues. So if you have many priorities, right, then you're going to have trouble picking the one thing. And that's what happens, I think, with some entrepreneurs or or or, or other people where they focus on the one piece of their life. So let's say your career. You really want to make a certain amount of money. You really want to do this career really well and you're gonna work eighty, ninety hour weeks to do it. So you sacrifice well, so you're going to sacrifice yeah. your relationship. You're going to sacrifice your health. You're going to sacrifice other things. And yes, you can say, well, all right, now I have to prioritize my health and learn how to eat correctly. But then you're going to be sacrificing all the going out to eat with your friends. And everything is a, is a push and pull. And that brings up, you know, the four pillars that you've talked about as well, if you want to introduce those. Um, health, wealth, love, and happiness. Health, wealth, love, and happiness. And, you know, that's where this, I find the struggle to be the toughest because um, while yes getting more sleep makes everything easier unless getting more sleep impacts cannibalizes something, something cannibalizes else. something yeah. else um, and I'm using that example just because it's can so you, Matt, easy can you, I, can you explain the four pillars thing again I, I remember what the four pillars are but not necessarily like how they so what I'm just saying I'm calling it the four pillars of the good life and I didn't come up with this this is something I've learned and I've sort of developed and made into my own by the way it's not something that I completely made up, but Our own anyway, so, yeah. So you've got four pillars of your life. So think about it like legs of a table, okay? So four legs of a table that are holding up the tabletop. So you have not health. legs of a teacher, Martin. Or legs of a yeah. <laughs> this is we have a new running joke for my life. All right. <laughs> the four pillars: health, wealth, love, and happiness. And I'll just give an example from my early 20s when I was talking about earlier when I just wasn't happy with the way I was living my life. For me, I was so focused on my health, eating really amazing food, getting good sleep, exercising 10 hours a week, that I neglected pretty much other four er- or other three areas of my life. And as a result, I just felt completely out of balance and I wasn't happy at all. And it wasn't until I started going back in and working on those four areas and making sure that they were all strong that I was able to start feeling a sense of balance, like I could actually breathe and live, and I, I felt like I was actually on my path again. Now, okay, so now with this concept, though, like, is the idea that, you said four legs of a table, is the idea that, like, if you let one fall by the wayside, that the table tips? That's the idea. If one of them falls, the entire structure crumbles. So, like if I, you know, you've heard the stories of the the billionaire CEO who can't get out of bed because he's so sick. Mm-hmm. Like his health is so bad that he literally can't enjoy his money, he can't enjoy his family, he can't enjoy anything that he's created so far. So that's the other extreme. Right. So, but like to Martin's point, is it? I, it, I mean, it definitely is just from seeing that people have done it. But like, how realistic is it though that? you can do these like four things all at the same time. You're never going to be able to put the same sort of intensity. It's, it's sort of like you focus in on one of those areas and then you just sort of manage everything else. 
Okay, so oh, so this I so see. this goes to what Martin. We were on the airplane that one time when I was telling, I, I think I was telling you, the concept I had read about, which is like, I don't know what it's called. Let's call it the stove theory or the burner theory, which is that, like, you look at a range top stove and there's four burners. So like your life and like you're always you always have four things on the stove essentially, and you've got to decide at like you know at whatever point what are the two things that are on the back burner and what are the two things that you're focusing on that are on the front burners and they can always adjust and you can move things off the stove but you should really only have four things and then then realistically then probably the four things should be health wealth love and happiness and you just decide when are health and wealth on the front burner and love and happiness on the back burner as weird as that sounds but or when do they need to be pushed to the front and not that it means that like they don't exist because they're in the back it just means that like you can almost autopilot them because you do them well enough without having to like think so much about it. Right, they become habits for you, you know, spending time with your friends and enjoying their company and having really amazing relationships is something that you've built up. You've it's sort of like you built up a bank account in that area and it's okay to just kind of not not necessarily coast on that that'd be a bad way of thinking about it, but um you know, you don't need to be spending Well, like you're accruing interest your on it at that point or you know. Yeah, you are. Exactly. Well, and- you know, that's, I think, what a lot of artists do as well. So, like, a, you know, someone who writes a book, they'll spend a year writing that book, and they'll kind of shut out the world in order to write that book. And then when they finish, then they go through, you know, uh, the next year or so, uh, getting back in touch with everyone. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that's a tough thing to do, especially at our age, because people get so offended if you don't hang out with them once a week. And that's the part that I struggle the most with, which... You know, we're in Chicago and we've been here a long time, so there's a lot of people we know and a lot of people that want to go to happy hour. And <laughs> happy hour destroys your productivity for the evening. Happy hour makes it hard. It's a murder. It, it makes it hard to go to bed. It makes it hard to wake up. It makes everything else harder. Happy hour? Fun. I don't think so. Uh, happy <laughs> hour makes... But it's happy I'm hour. I'm supposed to be at happy hour right now. Like, that's how much I dislike happy hour. And... Well, I mean, I, I like I like talking to you guys too, uh, but no. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> but but you get the you get the point though. It's like um, happy hour with the professors, huh? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> uh, I have a regret saying that that thing at the beginning of this podcast. Um, no, but it's it's interesting once you start breaking down. Oh, your, it's priorities. Yeah, breaking down these times, and and you look at. Is this sort of an aging thing? Like, you'll will mature into a time when some people have kids and people stop caring if you're there constantly and they won't get so offended if you only see them once every two months? Is is that kind of where we're headed, hopefully, fingers crossed? Or is is that something you just lose those friends? And a lot of people look back and say they wish they didn't neglect their friends, right? That's one of the five regrets on your deathbed. And they say, I wish yeah. I had Did you read that book? Uh, I didn't read the book. I read the article, and we should actually probably pull that up while we're talking here. But Yeah, The Five Regrets of the Dying. Mm-hmm. The one that I remember the most is that I, that one that keeps replaying in my head is, I wish I would have let myself be happier. Because what I continue to see over and over again is we allow little things that really we're going to forget about in a couple of days just get to us and bug us and hold us down. And we let those just sort of consume our lives. And when you can almost consciously choose what you're going to focus on and what you're going to allow to make you happy, like that's a really powerful thing that you can do for yourself. And that's, a, that's something I've tried to do for me for the past couple of years. And it, 
just it, it's been awesome. Absolutely, and that's number one on the list. It's I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. So it sounds like you know the main focus of this podcast is exploring that concept. Oh, absolutely. It and is. so like that, a hundred percent is the biggest thing that I think we're all struggling with and trying to figure out what is or who are we so we know where to focus that time so we aren't neglecting our friends or anything, or at least the friends that we don't want to neglect. Um, that sounds so harsh. Uh, <laughs> I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends, which is impossible not to with Facebook now. And I wish that I had let myself be happier. Yeah, those are. Which one? so you you uh, Ben you said that I wish that I let myself be happier. That's year one. That really sticks in your mind. Yeah, that's the one that definitely just sticks in my mind because I for whatever reason in my my experiences that's the one I continue to see over and over with people. What about you, Raj? Um. I don't know, man. This is tough because I think, like, I feel like I do these things, like, in a good way. If I mean, if anything, it's it's probably I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends, but not to the effect of like, oh, I got to be at every happy hour, Martin. More so, like, like there's a lot of value in just putting a phone call out to someone and just ha- catching up with them for ten minutes, which I've gotten better at. But I definitely think that's something that I need to work on is is staying in touch with, with friends. Yeah. I, I don't know I don't know about you guys, but I know with my group of friends, like I've had friends that I've had since, you know, <laughs> I was in grade school. And even if I call them up right now, it just feels really good to rekindle that friendship, even if it's only for 10, 15 minutes just to sit and chat and catch up. So even though a lot of time has passed and maybe we don't hang out as much, there's still that social bond that never really goes away. It's just a really cool thing. Martin? I think the wish I'd let myself be happier piece. Um, the other ones I'm, I am really working on, but um, well, I'm working on them in a way that I wish I didn't work too hard. Uh, but <laughs> um, no, I, I do turn most things into tasks uh, instead of fun, and that's something I've been working yeah, that you a do. lot lately. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've actually... I. A few months back, back in October, I got rid of my television and um, and internet, basically, in my apartment. And so I don't really watch TV anymore, which I'm realizing was my number one way to relax and, and laugh at the end of the day uh, after all these tasks. And what I found interesting about it is I didn't really replace it with anything. I thought I'd replace it with books, but all my books are like, you know, nonfiction business books, yeah. which, holy <laughs> crap, you burn out pretty fast. And um, I would just stare at them and be like, I don't even know what to do. Maybe I'll just go back to Facebook on my phone. Um, and looking back at the last few months, one thing I think, if you can call it a regret, but one thing I think would have helped would have been to maybe get a bunch of board games or get a bunch of like little fun activities to do instead of not just having, you know, having no TV in my apartment. Um, that would have helped keep my mind more occupied uh, and, and be able to still have fun. And what I'm finding, what I'm trying to do now is inject some gamification into all the things that I'm doing. 
Um, yeah, nothing sounds less like work than that. Yeah, <laughs> shut up. I'm injecting gamification into my. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm like, I'm I was going to ask about that. What the hell fun. is gamification? So, like, I'm just trying to gamify everything. Like, He's trying to make. I'm trying to. I'm trying to make <laughs> things more fun. Like, it, instead of just being like, oh, this morning I have to get up and go work out. It's, you know, some people go play basketball to work out, and that's fun for them. But I don't like basketball. So, what, what can I do that is both working out and fun for me? I'm trying to find those answers, and also. Um, trying to be more lighthearted about things. I think uh, I tend to get a little serious, so um, watching more comedians, being more uh, open to poking fun of myself and, and to others and you know, writing those love letters to my teachers. So. <laughs> That's your main way of relaxing now, right? Yeah, I just, I write these really detailed love letters to old teachers. I'm imagining you with like a fountain pen, old parchment paper, you roll it up and put a wax seal on it and then send <laughs> I, it out the I door. do have a wax seal. Um, I bet, I need yeah. to get some new calligraphy pens and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My God. All right. Actually, I got another question for you guys. Yeah. So I've been reading this book by Charlie Munger, who's uh, Warren Buffett's business partner for Berkshire Hathaway. And the lesser known, but like the, the, he's probably a billionaire himself. Yes, he's like worth like one point two billion or something like that. Something so he's completely like forty ridiculous. billion behind Warren. Well, what I like about Charlie Munger is a dude's ninety years old, and he's probably the most well-read person that's alive today. And he's got this entire book that's just about the art of thinking when it comes to business and life and marketing and relationships. And one of the things that he says is whenever you're faced with a really hard question where you don't know what the correct course of action is, you invert it, you turn it around. So if our hard question that we're trying to ask or trying to answer tonight is what will I regret in the future? The question that becomes how will I make sure that everything or I regret everything in the future? So Oh I'm yeah, turn that yeah. Question I've back. heard of this before. Yeah, I think you brought yeah, so, this up last time we talked. Very cool. Oh, okay. So, I'm turning that question back to both of you. No, you know, you know what it is. Um, Clementine, who we had on the last episode, was saying in her like poetry workshop. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She, they reverse engineered their questions, uh, or their. Yeah, it was yeah. like so. Let's say. It was here's the ways n- to get kicked out of college. Like here's the yeah to, to like make sure like you don't like fail out of college. It was like you write a manual for how to fail out of college to make sure that you don't do those things. Very cool. So all right. So okay. So um, what was your question? My question is how do you make sure you live a life that's full of regret? <laughs> Sit on your ass. Don't meet new people. Don't learn new things. And for me, don't try new foods. Okay. I wonder if I'll regret that. And for me, don't watch Seinfeld. (laughs) 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 That would absolutely be a regretful life if there was no Seinfeld. (laughs) Because the the 800 times you've watched each episode, it's just not nearly enough. (laughs) No. Just not Not nearly enough. enough. (laughs) You can never have enough nothing. (laughs) Yeah, so then right there you'd have the framework for how can I live a life that doesn't have regret? Because you just turn those things around, right? right? But, you know, I, I think, I think though, after the fact, I'm going to have to think about that more and create it in more detail because that's me speaking in generalities, but I think I can drill down further beyond that. Yeah. So for me, it's um, that inaction. Uh, to think you, uh, that there are things that I want and then never pursue them 
because of whatever things pop into my head. So um, inaction uh, is a surefire way to lead myself to a life of regret. Um, to never really learn how to have fun and express emotion, um, both in an intimate as well as, uh, you know, just in general friendship uh, ways. And I think to listen to the things that other people ask and tell me to do are surefire ways for me to regret my life. What was the last one? To listen to what other people tell me to do and ask me to do. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so living up to other people's standards. Well, well, that and also like, you should go get a master's. Okay, I'll go get a master's. Like, like, I'm not saying that that's not, that getting a master's bad, but I'm saying, do it's it. got to be you, your yeah. voice saying do it, it do it someone else for what I'm yeah. saying. Like, yeah, that's one of the five regrets of the dying. Exactly. I wish I had the courage to live a true a life, true to myself, mm-hmm. not the life others expect of me. Yeah. Okay, Ben. What about for you? Uh, what's for, your manual? For, <laughs> my manual for me, it's a lot like Martin. For me, when I look at the times that I have regretted, it's always been in action. I know that I am perfectly capable of doing something. And I just don't have the balls to go ahead and do it. And that, for me, is like the main source of pretty much all of my regret. And obviously, I have a lot of goals and aspirations and things I would like to do. But if I get to the end of my life and I haven't become the billionaire CEO of an awesome company, like I'll be okay with that. You know, That's not going to be a regret for me that I didn't accomplish those things. But I'll want to know that I committed a certain part of my life in order to get there that's like you gave it a shot i gave it a shot and that's a huge piece too um managing the expectations you have um to think that you're going to have you know the trophy wife the ceo billionaire job the houses all over the world and all that good stuff to expect that without putting in the work to get there Mm -hmm. um is i think why most people look back with regret and so to kind of play us out I want to ask each of you guys. Well, before before we before we wrap up, Ben, for the purpose of the listeners, what are you working on, and where can we find you? Yeah, what I'm working on right now is my new website, which is stopstartdo.com. People want to reach me; they can go to the website, sign up for the email letter, or they can reach me at ben at benaustinblog.com. That's my email. So not Ben at StopStartDo.com? <laughs> no, I don't have that email address set up yet, but I will have that one going pretty soon. All right. Okay, cool. And, and Stop, Start, Do, if you want to give like a maybe like a little 20-second teaser of, of what it's about. Yeah, Stop, Start, Do is my new brand, my new website that I was actually working on with the two fine gentlemen at Ideal Lemon, <laughs> who I'm sure you've heard of before. But who are they? The, yeah, who are those they sound bros? Like idiots. <laughs> They are complete bros and complete idiots. But the entire site is based around the science of mastering new habits. So what I'm trying to do is take traditional old models of starting habits, turn them inside their head, and then find a better and faster and more efficient way of doing it. And I've come up with some really cool ideas. I've used them on myself. I've used them on other people. They work really well. And I'm ready to teach those and share those with other people.
this up, I want to say, what is one thing you're currently working on just that you would regret if you didn't do? Okay. And what is your next step? I am currently working on building Ideal Lemon beyond a novice stage or beyond a... Um, yeah, in, into a more formidable and sustainable, sustainable in the sense of, of uh, I guess revenue, but a more sustainable business. And actually, to to answer the original podcast question of what will you regret when you look back, or like or what I'm hoping not to regret when I look back, I suppose, is that I didn't like quote unquote go for it. Like I have this idea of an it in my mind. It's not necessarily like a something I can verbalize. But I have an it in my mind. I'm like, man, if I didn't go for it, I'm going to really regret that. So this this is part of the it. And what I want to do as a next step, and perhaps for our next mastermind discussion, we can do this. I want to actually sit down and create the manual of the, the regret manual, basically. So in my mind is, if, if for me, it's how do you not go for it? Like, I want to write down a manual for that. Okay. Cool. Ben? Well, I've already told you guys about the stop, start, do, and for the most part, that thing is already, uh, that thing's got a, got wheels of its own, and it's just going right now, and I'm just sort of pushing it down the hill. But the next big to-do for me after that is I would like to create a physical device, a physical biofeedback device that's going to help anchor new habits when people have them. I've got an idea about how I'm going to crowdsource it, how I'm going to get other people involved in the project, and if I don't work towards that goal, I'm going to be very upset with myself, and I will have a lot of regret. Okay. What's your immediate next step? My immediate next step is I'm doing a lot of competitor research, and I'm figuring out how I can pull various parties into the project. I'm looking at my list right now. I've got like 25 things on it. Very cool. All right. Martin. My, my next goal is to um, really focus on being more in tune with my own voice. Um, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, but trying to filter out the things people are telling me to do from the things that I want to do. And um, that, in my mind... The next step would be is to organize all the different things that I'm doing currently, which is pretty spread out, into a much more um, kind of timelined out plan. So I, I really enjoy creating structure, and right now I feel like I don't have structure. And so the first thing I'm doing and currently doing um, with relaunching my personal website yesterday is not only laying out all the things I do, laying out how they interrelate to each other, and then being able to pull the three core ideas from all of that and spend all of my time focused on those three core ideas instead of you know, jumping to the next cool thing that, that pops into our head. All right, looks like we got some work to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, Ben, good talk. Good talk, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks. All right. I'm going to go write some more letters. <laughs> that is all she wrote on this conversation. Ben, thank you so much for joining us to talk about regret and how we can look at that differently moving forward. There were a lot of good nuggets that we brought up in our conversation. 
If you want to learn more about the work Ben is doing and check out Stop, Start, Do, it's stopstartdo.com and all of his information is in the show notes, so check those out. As well as in the show notes, we've got links to all the resources that we brought up during this episode. Get fresh at idealemon.com is the email address if you've got questions about the show. While you're online, if you want the best musings, stories, and advice to learn how to build an authentic personal brand and take this podcast one step further, head over to idealemon.com and subscribe to our email newsletter. Running through the audio credits on this one, this episode featured songs from Drake, Hold On, We're Going Home, the How I Met Your Mother theme song, Skilo, I Wish, as well as clips from Seinfeld, Wedding Crashers, and the intro and outro we're listening to right now is, of course, Chris Leamy's Summertime off his EP The Start, available on iTunes for purchase. Until next time, this has been the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast from Idea Lemon. We'll see ya. Just the summertime. Just the summertime. Chuck.